Hello and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. As always, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need an added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me, you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is a pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of my training, and you can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. Kicking off the second half of Season 4 is Joe Sullivan, world-renowned powerlifter and owner of Pinnacle Performance in Columbus, Ohio. With a background in medically integrated fitness, as well as a bachelor's degree in exercise science and kinesiology, Joe has proven time and time again that he is an invaluable asset to the powerlifting community. You may have seen him in the animal cage or blasted all over the top powerlifting Instagram pages, but you don't want to miss any of this episode, raw and uncut, as we delve into the nuances of the powerlifting industry, the importance of high-quality breakfast foods, and the danger the USPC brings to powerlifting. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Joe, what is going on, brother? Nothing more than usual, and it's always something, so... It is always something. I know we were we were planning on going last week. You've had a million things thrown at you recently. I know you've been you've been a busy man. How, I wonder how is how has COVID even impacted you with Pinnacle Performance? I know a few months ago there's a ton of stuff going on with the state itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, really, the way that it's it honestly hasn't affected us so much uh, in terms of like our members coming or people being glad to be here or anything. It's just kind of like we have to be really really. Um, strict with our rules these days. And my whole argument, because if you don't know, uh, myself and Tim Castle, my, uh, the the other owner of Pinnacle Performance, uh, we were both on the uh, executive committee to reopen uh, fitness centers and like other recreational endeavors in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of led the charge on that aspect. And we also uh, filed a lawsuit against the state of Ohio through uh, the Constitutional Law Group. Yeah. Uh, in, shit, I can't remember where it is. It's the 1851 group. Uh, but we actually like headed up that lawsuit. And because of that, we've been kind of under, it's not like we have a target on our back, but people are just kind of looking to us to lead the way uh, and be the example that other people can look to. Mm-hmm. And I'm really confident in saying that we have been because we just have like some some rules to follow when people enter the gym. We just check everybody's temperature, uh, like most, like any event these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, twelve sanitizer bottles set up throughout the gym, and we're just basically on people to clean everything that they touch, everything that they come in contact with. Uh, needs to be wiped down before they use it and after they use it. And because we in powerlifting, you need spotters. In powerlifting, you have people like generally close to one another in any real training environment. Uh, we don't we don't require people wear the mask during the entire lifting session whenever anyone is exercising they don't need to wear one mm-hmm. but if you have somebody giving you a handoff uh back spots or side spots or anyone that is basically going to be within your bubble uh due to like needing a spot right they have to wear a mask so just 
real simple rules to follow. I take like six foot by six foot squares uh, on the floor of the gym, just as a reminder of what that actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've really been, we've really been good about it. Like full disclosure, we've had, like I have, I have members, uh, paying members that are, they work in the health field. Some of them have gotten COVID and we've basically just done our due diligence to make sure no spread happens at Pinnacle. And we've had zero spread take place. Even when I've had a member message me and be like, Hey man, I'm sick. I got tested and I tested positive. We basically just will, uh, make note of that check to see who, cause we have a key fob system. We just track mm-hmm. who in the building at the same time, reach out to them and essentially just monitor everything. And because we've been so stringent on uh, the actual cleaning protocols, no spread has happened. So it, it basically just followed my, I made the argument at the very beginning. I was like, I would rather lick my floors, lick the floors of pinnacle than lick the floors of an ER just yeah. because I'm sure I can keep this pretty more contr- or much more controlled, much more clean and much more safe than an actual place where sick people are going. Cause who the fuck is sick going to a gym? Right. Right. Exactly. The amount of times I've said that exact same thing to people. I'm like, you know, the people that are going into a private powerlifting facility are probably not the percentage of people that are getting really nervous that they're sick or that they are sick. They're probably the people that have thought well enough that they're, they're crazy in the mind in a different regard, you know, to put 900 pounds on their back instead of getting sick with a respiratory disease. So that's good. That's good. I mean, that's encouraging to hear. I mean, I remember watching it kind of from the background and seeing you. I mean, you were getting heated. You were building up something really good. So I'm glad that it came to fruition. That's got to be a good feeling to, to get a win right there. Oh, dude, it's it's literally one of the best feelings in the world because I'm I'm really proud of the community that we've built here. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy with everything that we've done. And like we've had, and, and it's not just me and Tim, it's our members too. Like we really have great members and great people here. Uh, even during the shutdown, when no one went, when it was just me and Tim in the gym, uh, they many members stayed on. Like we gave people the option to suspend their membership, but ninety percent of people stayed paying just wow. because they wanted us around when we were done or when when the shutdown was done. And, wow. and I, I'm so thankful. Like, dude, I'm so grateful for the people that are in this gym. Like, it's it's unlike anything anything else I've ever been involved with. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's a unique thing that, you know, these massive corporate gyms aren't going to have, you know, if a planet fitness shuts down, people are not going to say, yeah, I'm going to keep giving you my money. No, they're, they're going to, they're going to, well, first off, if you're listening to this and you train at planet fitness, please stop and go train somewhere else. That's just my personal opinion. Please stop training there. But at these corporate gyms, there's no way they're going to keep paying. But I think it says something, especially one on the community itself to want to support small businesses. And two, even the business that you're running speaks to you that people want to continue supporting regardless. Because obviously, if you were a dick of a gym owner and people hated you, they wouldn't keep giving you money over COVID. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly that. And it's just, it really helps sometimes because like it, it kind of, it kind of just it shows me that I'm doing I'm doing some of the stuff right, you know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty these days. And like I mean, I'm I'm just some 27 year old that doesn't know what the fuck he's doing half the time. <laughs> right. And having people do that and demonstrate like that that level of like love and care and whatnot, it's really really cool, and it, it makes me feel good. So it's it's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, obviously you didn't, you didn't necessarily start here. You know, you, you've, you've grown into prominence, you know, as an athlete, as a coach, as a gym owner, but I wonder if we backtrack all the way to the beginning, you know, small Joe, he's never touched a barbell in his life. You know, how in the world did you get involved in this crazy world of powerlifting in the first place? So I'm really, really lucky because, and I, and I've told this story before, but I, uh, there was a powerlifting club at my high school and the, the freshman football coach was also the coach of the powerlifting club. He was also one of the wrestling coaches. And he said, if you guys wrestle, you're also on the powerlifting team because we're going to give you a strength training program to follow. This is what you guys need to do, blah, blah, blah. So I, I kind of became familiar with powerlifting just out of necessity because I, I played football and I wrestled. So obviously it was just like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. Uh, but I just kind of fell into it because I, I entered high school at 282 pounds. I was like, and that was before I touched a barbell, before I did anything. I was a, li- I was a fat, scared little kid. Yeah. Uh, all I did was play video games. I played like Lord of the Rings games on PlayStation 2. Uh, so good. And like, so good. Yeah, like Two Towers. That was about Oh, dude, it was so good. <laughs> best game ever. Ever. Just the replayability, amazing. Like and fucking Legolas with the goddamn like rapid fire arrows. That shit was way too way too OP. Um but but that's all I did. And I just ate food because I basically lived with my uh, grandparents. I was there all the time, my nana and papa. And my nana was uh just old skinny, crazy, Polish immigrant, lived through the depression, needed to feed me relentlessly so that I would grow big and strong. But everybody forgot the actual like activity part of that. So I just right. ended up a big, big, fat, big, fat little guy. Mm-hmm. But I went to high school and I was like, okay, I, am, I hate how I look. I'm scared to talk to girls. I'm scared to talk to anybody. I'm generally just scared. Uh, so I need to do something about this. And I just started lifting weights. And throughout the, I did the thing where I would like lift and then I would take like six months off and just play Xbox Live and then lift again and then take six months off and play Xbox Live. Did that throughout high school. Mm-hmm. But over the course of high school, I, I dropped over 100 pounds. I came into high school at 282. And my senior year, I weighed in at, uh, districts for wrestling at 169. Wow. Uh, and over the court, and and I I was the dude where I was like, okay, I'll lose all this weight, and I'll immediately look like these fitness models and Men's Health magazine. I still remember right. like Men's Health and being like, oh, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna be this jack guy with the fucking washboard abs and all this shit. And then I lost all that weight, and I'm like, well, I look better, and I do have muscle, but I still hate how I look, and I'm still kind of like skinny, not skinny fat, but I'm like, I still have like this weird skin flab shit and like right. i don't know what to do about this so then it was like okay maybe i need to actually take lifting weights more seriously and i started to and i competed in another like i took a break from competing in powerlifting probably from like sophomore year of high school to like freshman year of college but i still i still trained it um and then i competed again in my freshman year of college in cleveland ohio and ever since then i was just like well i'm pretty decent at this thing i remember setting like usapl national records or some shit in like my age group and i was like i'm pretty decent at this maybe i should just keep doing this and i just kept right. doing it. and and then and i just i just did and i remember I'm, I, it's it's just interesting because i'm one of those i'm one of the only 
lifters that I know that has actually cumulatively added over over a thousand pounds to their total over the course of their training career. Because my first meet, my total was a thousand seventy-five, mm-hmm. and my best meet ever in wraps was a uh, two thousand one hundred and thirty-two pounds. So that that's just a little interesting factoid because yeah. I don't know many other people that have done that. Yeah, I mean that's a significant and that's a significant gain. Like a thousand pounds, I mean, on a total when you're already sitting at you know eleven hundred is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, even if people are listening, you know, and y'all aren't super into the powerlifting community, that's a shit ton of weight. <laughs> like it really is. But you know, to get to that point, obviously, I mean, there's been there have been years and years and years of you of you putting in the work. So you started earlier than a lot of people really have. You know, I think of someone like James Strickland who didn't start until he was in his forties. You know, so you, you've had this this huge time gap. But I wonder if you go all the way back to that very first powerlifting competition back in high school, the mm-hmm. first squat, the first time you're getting on the platform. I wonder if you can even just relive that moment of just what was going through your head the first time you heard squat. Dude, I I don't know, honestly. Like I'm trying to remember. I think it was just like I think it was like discomfort. Yeah. That's the only thing that I can recall, really. Because like I like God bless my high school powerlifting coaches. Like I like Mr. Zinsmaster and Mr. Birchmeyer, you guys were the fucking best. I don't even know if we'll ever listen to this. But but like there wasn't a super huge focus on on like what we would know today is like good form. It was just like drive your knees out, put the single ply suit on and fucking bend your knees, stand up, you know? And it was just like, the, it was like, if you've seen Texas, that Texas high school powerlifting association, mm-hmm. a lot of those kids, they're just thrown into like kind of a mishmash of equipment and they're just like, all right, figure it out, dudes. You know? <laughs> Very similar to that. So I just remember being like, I think I was like 275 at that meet. And I was just like, yeah, I was 275. And I was just, again, like, it, it didn't immediately happen where I was like, oh, I'm like, I, everybody kind of describes me as like this big, charismatic, like lar- large dude now. Like, but back then I'm literally just this little scared, like, oh, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not sure about this. I don't know if I'm going to do good, but, you know, and I just remember I remember just walking that out and there was like people in the bleachers because it was at, at the high school gym. It was on like the floor, uh, like the basketball court, essentially. Classic. People were in the bleachers and I just remember being like, oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm fucking piss myself, you know. Yeah. And but but this go this this can be fucking extended to so many other things because I was like so terrified, but I did it. Like, I, I was so scared, but I did it anyway. And I don't know if I did. Like, I didn't do. I, I think I went, like, five for nine on the day or some shit. I, I don't mm-hmm. even But, like, I, it, it can be, that can be, like, taken to so many different other things. Like, being scared and still doing something. Because, like, a week, a week and a half ago, I hit 777 pounds for two reps on the squat in sleeves, which was the heaviest double I've ever taken in sleeves. And I remember leading into that session, I was legitimately like scared. I, yeah. I, I felt fear because I just, I've never done that before. And it's a hell of a lot of weight, but I did it anyway. And there's like power to that. There's like a, 
if you kind of can realize that like you're capable the whole thing where people say like oh you can't let fear in your life you can't be driven by fear or whatever that's bullshit like if you're not scared you're not human yeah. like it, it's normal to be scared but it's also normal to be able to like take that fear and sort of realize that like even though this is a thing that is extant this is a thing that like exists it doesn't mean that you can't do what you're going to do like and I've, I've kind of one of my lifters uh ryan collins uh he hit he he's been hitting 500 pound squats for the first time like the last two sessions he's hit 500 plus for the first time uh ever and it's like a huge milestone for him and mm -hmm. it's we had been having conversations about how like he, he's like fuck this is so heavy and it's like it is heavy it's never not going to be heavy but that doesn't mean you're not strong enough to lift it like just because something is heavy just because something is hard doesn't mean you're not capable of doing it and when you when you can like realize that and like take that and apply it to your lifting but then apply it to whatever the fuck else you want you can you can do some really cool shit you know and and that's like how I went to high school as this like scared scared little dude that didn't know how to talk to anybody or make friends and now i literally am at a point in my life where i'm like i'm exhausted because running the gym i'm it i'm i'm viewed as a leader and i'm always here and i'm like always on and i'm like what's up guys what's up like what do you need what do you need what do you need and then it rolls to be like eight o'clock at night and i'm like i need a fucking nap yeah <laughs> Well, it's just it's, it's really cool and it's like amazing that people look to me for like guidance and and leadership but it does get to a point where i'm just like man if you told my like 14 year old self that it was going to be like this i don't know if i would believe you and i'm tired <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's yeah wow there's so much in there i mean E even that concept of, yeah, just because something feels really heavy doesn't mean you don't have the strength to lift it, you know, mm -hmm. as, I, as I think is something so integral to training that people, you know, are terrified of. I think of uh, the guy who asked Ed Cohen, like, hey, what did it feel like to squat a thousand pounds? He goes, oh, what's your max? The guy says 500. He says, it's what 500 feels like to you. It's like, mm -hmm. it's always going to be heavy, but you're getting stronger by lifting it, you know? So I think, yeah. ah, that's just such a good piece of truth that I just wish more people would would tap into. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man, that's good. Well, okay. So the first squat, you know, you're in a you know high school gym. You're just, you're a kid. You're shitting yourself over the fact that you're finally on a platform doing it. Um, I mean, that's, but that's gone on to be, you know, competition after competition to the animal cage to a million other things. So my other competition question for you is I would say, what is your favorite moment, you know, ever across a powerlifting, you know, whether it was a favorite lift in competition or in the gym What's something that you've really cherished and has been something you're like, man, this is, this is the pinnacle. This was the peak for me. I'm just thinking, um, there are a couple of moments, uh, there I'll, I'll give, I'll give you three. I'll run through them real quick. Okay. So the first one that came to mind was my going nine for nine. The only time I've ever gone nine for nine in competition and powerlifting it was 20 weeks after having my right distal biceps tendon repaired um i ruptured this basically doing grip work i was an idiot and i was just i was being dumb and i pulled uh, i pulled some reps on an axle bar and it just blew up i did i think it was like 400 or 455 for like or no it was like 500 for a set of six 
and the bicep tendon just blew up. I had to get it repaired. I got it repaired on my birthday. Um, and then June 1st and then November something, something I competed at Reebok record breakers. I went nine for nine. I hit my last deadlift with the same, with the distal biceps tendon, my right side, that as my underhand. Uh, and I went nine for nine, hit like 727 on my last pull. immediately started crying, hugged my dad. And it was amazing. Um, second moment, probably, uh, the 2017 U.S. Open, and these are going in chronological order. I just noticed that. Uh, 2017 U.S. Open, I pull. I tried to pull 804 to beat Yuri Belkin, and I was one of the only people in position to actually beat Yuri Belkin ever in a competition. Mm-hmm. And while I, while I missed it, I missed it like above my knees. Um, I'm still really proud that I was able to do that. That was one of one of the coolest moments of my life that just because i remember that meet uh yuri didn't realize i was competing 220 because i'm a very i'm a very dense and wide individual yeah Um, and i remember standing with my dad and my my dad had my super grateful for my dad he's like my best friend he's been to every single competition i've ever done he was my high school wrestling coach um but my dad and i are standing there and we see yuri and whoever he was with standing looking at the leaderboard and he's like looking at it and he's like wait a minute you can see like kind of shock on it because it was after squat bench and he realizes like wait who the fuck is joe sullivan because i'm beating him by like 80 kilos and and i just see him look around and he's like what the fuck like what the fuck is happening and then obviously yuri's deadlift is incredible right he on he went on to uh he hit his opener, missed his second, and I think hit his third. But I I did the whole jockey for position, and I pull I I uh, tried to pull 804, which would have put me like two and a half kilos above him. Um, but I missed it. But still, that was an incredible moment to be able to do that. And I still I still think I that was it was just a lot of fun. It was incredible yeah. that whole experience. And thirdly, um, probably uh the party at pinnacle kind of the impromptu arnold thing that we threw together yeah. after the arnold was canceled because i called um the people i knew at animal as soon as it got canceled because i was scheduled to lift in the animal cage again mm-hmm. and I was like, hey i have five thousand square feet at my gym i'll move shit out of the way let's do something if you guys are here already let's fucking do something and they're like well i don't know i don't know i don't know and then like uh nick robson uh, from Live Large, drove down. I was like, let's plan something. And we just started planning something. And I was like, hey, even if Animal doesn't show up, we'll still have people here. And then they ended up showing up. And we had probably the best Arnold anybody has ever had because the different, like, the Animal Cage, it's, like, cordoned off mm-hmm. from everybody, from all the spectators. But at Pinnacle, it was just kind of like every – we. I, I literally had people climbing my power racks in order to watch Jamal Browner deadlift a thousand pounds, like right in the center of the floor. Um, and it was just like, everybody was like naturally moving like crowds, but giving yeah. them space. And it was just a really cool experience. And it was, it just kind of, it was just really cool for me because my whole thing was like building this community that people can call home and like rely on one another and just be good to one another and like do cool shit. And that was just a, a literal, personification of all of the work that I've put forward to like do that. And it was just really fucking cool for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, and, and I think that, yeah, I, I'm sure pretty much everyone in that crowd, you know, it was, it was a pretty pivotal moment for them as well. Cause yeah, I mean, the, the cage is awesome, but it is, it's this thing of like, everyone's like, Oh, well, I guess they're all in there. And then we're all out here. Like it's a very physical manifestation of the athletes are in there and everyone watching is out there. So to be able to break down that physical wall. Now, obviously, at the convention, it's necessary to have that cage there, you know, <laughs> like this is so that somebody doesn't get murdered, you know, by the stampede of people coming to watch. But, you know, to break down that physical wall really does. I mean, it creates that community. And that's even what I'm trying to do with this podcast is it's breaking down this, um, not, not the elitism, because I'm definitely okay with a bit of elitism and powerlifting, but of breaking down that mindset of all of these lifters being gods. You know, and that, and that everyone else is like, oh my gosh, like, look at, look, like when I interviewed Steffi Cohen, then a bunch of people were like, oh my gosh, you got, I'm like, she's a person. She's just this chick who's really strong, who's yeah. been very smart about coming to the U.S. and she's on. So, so breaking that down that I really, I really relate to that. And I appreciate that a lot because that's kind of what I'm trying to do here. So it's, it's encouraging, you know, to know that some of the people who do have those bigger names are doing that exact same thing. Yeah, and dude, I, t- I tell people this too. Like, I'm I'm just some guy with a smartphone. You know, yeah. I'm I made my Instagram in like 2010 or some shit, or like 2011 when I, my first year in college because I was like, oh, people are making this. Oh, I can talk to girls through this. Okay, <laughs> people upload their lifting through here. Cool, I'll do that. You know, and it just I you can scroll all the way fucking back. And you can go on my YouTube and scroll all the way back. I remember on my YouTube, I hit like 400 for five reps in my college gym. And I thought I thought I was such a fucking badass. And like, it's just, no matter how strong I get, that doesn't mean I'm like anything different. I'm just, I'm just some dude that has somehow managed to get himself some type of voice or some type of like notoriety or accomplishment through social media and along with like sports performance and whatever. And that that's all it is. You know, I'm just, I'm just some dude. I'm no better than anybody else, but this kind of leads into the whole personal accountability thing because, and I'm sure we'll bring up all the sexual misconduct bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you are in a position where you have that voice, where you have that audience you're even more obligated to do what's right than anyone who like doesn't just because you don't. And I made a post about this the other day. Like you don't get, you don't get to choose whether or not people look up to you as an example. It just happens. Yeah. So you need to operate under that knowledge because everything you do is a lesson for somebody. Because like if I'm downstairs, if I'm I'm up I'm upstairs uh, in one of the offices at Pinnacle. If I'm downstairs and I leave weight on my bar or I don't wipe my equipment down, what does that do? That tells everybody else in the gym that it's okay to do that, mm-hmm. or that I think I'm better than everybody else if I apply an, a, a different set of parameters to everyone else, and that's not right. And that's what like that's that's another thing I can thank my dad for. Like he. He is a leader in his community. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, uh, fuck, city councilman. Um, he's a city councilman. And he kind of, he, he, he's always taught me to lead by example. He's always taught me to be a leader and be the guy, you know, and I'm super grateful for that. And I've just kind of like tried to apply that to the gym, my Instagram, 
my personal affiliations, whatever else. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's good. And I think it's important. And it, it does lead directly into the next topic that I was going to bring up, um, which it, it's honestly probably a good thing that our interview got delayed a week because it means we do have this topic to talk about. Um, yeah. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we see this this new federation pop up, USPC. Everybody's super hype. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, great. Well, I say everybody. A ton of people who don't know anything about powerlifting are like, oh my gosh, a new federation. And oh, then the other... And the other... <laughs> On, on, honestly, honestly, when it first got announced, I was like, cool, new women's weight classes. That's been something that we should fucking have. So, like, I, I, I was actually like, I'm, I'm into this. I'm okay, okay with but but go on, go on. Yes. So, on the front end, people are excited. You know, it's a new federation. Nothing has happened in the powerlifting industry since March because everything's been shut down. So, everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, like, something new is coming out of it. And it's Johnny. So, people are like, oh, wow, like, cool. Like, it's a it's a well-known name. You know, people are, are excited about it. And then people see Garrett Fear post something, you know, that, hey, maybe maybe there's a shadier side to this. Uh, and, you know, it comes out that they've been they've been forced out of USPA East um, and that his, his wife has had some sexual misconduct issues with a minor. And so this proceeds to just create this bloodbath, like absolute bloodbath of everyone saying, hey, we can't stand by this. And so. I know you've been very vocal about it. I know Garrett's been very vocal about it. And I even went onto the USPC Instagram page yesterday or this morning since you had kind of blasted them and saw they've turned all the comments off. So obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna address anything. And so I wonder straight from from your own mouth, you know, what what the hell is going on? You know, what and, and how do we as an industry address this seriously since there isn't really a governing body other than kind of open powerlifting to address anything like this? I don't have a fucking answer for you on that one, really, because I I love open powerlifting. Yeah. But I've been having heated discussions with whoever runs their Instagram page. I don't know who the fuck it is. I think it might be that Oakley, whatever the fuck. I can't I can't remember his full name. I've had conversations with him. But Ryan Silva posted some today. I don't know if you can see me, but I'm very animated with my fucking hand. Yes. <laughs> But Ryan Silva posted something today and said, okay, so open powerlifting, you're not going to recognize this, right? And I shared it. And I understand Ryan is kind of like stirring some shit because it's Ryan and both he and I are very opinionated individuals. I shared it and I I sent an additional message uh, to open powerlifting because I said, you guys took a political stance when it came to Noriega's mask violation, whatever the fuck. Right. You made, you made statements that shared your own emotional uh, uh, opinions on it. And as a database, you guys argue that you're just a database. You are not a governing body. You do not, uh, like, you're not the judge during an executioner or anything. If you stand by that logic, as soon as you make a political, as soon as you make an opinionated statement, you have fucking said that that is null and void. So if you can apply that to one instance, but you choose not to apply that to another instance, I'm calling bullshit and I will continue to call bullshit until somebody addresses something. So that's my issue because I don't have an answer on how we actually apply um, or how we ensure that like this shit doesn't, because it's not okay. It's not okay that this happens. And there's a goddamn 10 to 12 year old age age division in fucking USBC. So if I knew... If I knew, if I had kids and I was sending them to get weighed in and they're going to 
drop down to their fucking underwear because who fucking who wrestled? Everybody who wrestled, we all weigh in naked. Everybody mm-hmm. fucking it's just how it goes. If I had my kids do that and then you came and told me that there was a convicted sex offender that fucking weighed them in, I'd kill everybody in that goddamn building. Yeah. And I'd fucking film it and I'd post it and be like, hey, look what I did. Cause I'm yeah. fucking proud of it. So fuck that shit. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm like, I'm really fucking mad yeah. about the shit. And I, I'm even more mad because I like Johnny. I've had nothing but good experiences with Johnny Lane. And I commented, and I and you can fucking, like, it, I don't know how you publish this, but you can fucking share that screenshot that I put up. Because I thought I made, I make, when I fucking come at you with goddamn disagreements, I make fucking good points. I am a politician, or I should be a fucking politician. Yeah. But I fucking said, how can you be okay with this? How is this okay? I wanted answers, and you know what they fucking did? They deleted my goddamn comment, and they fucking blocked me. Mm. And that soft little dick bullshit. And I'm pissed about it. And I'm still pissed about it. And I just, I'm not, I, I, the only way that we can fucking police this type of thing when, when it's literal, literally just like little pieces of the world that people choose to live in their little bubbles is through the fucking court of court of social opinion. Yeah. Post it on social media. I'm not going to let this fucking die. So yeah. like these meets are going to be held. I'm going to, I am not going to send my fucking athletes there. I am not going to support them. I'm going to see if any, if anybody fucking lives there, I'm going to be like, Hey, you fuck any kids or Hey, did they fuck any kids? Because that's the thing. There's all this like sexual misconduct with a minor sexual re- relationship with a minor. She fucked a kid. Yeah. 14 and 15 year old. I don't give a fuck how big his dick is or how tall he is or how sexy he is. If you're 30 goddamn six and you're attracted to that, you should, if, if we put dogs down for hurting kids, we should put fucking people down too. Yeah. Cause you can't fucking give that back to that kid. You can't mm-hmm. give. you can't, you have no idea how that's going to affect him later in life. And this is another fucking story that I've actually, I don't think I've ever fucking said this on like published whatever but like i had i fuck i i don't know i blocked a lot of it out but I, when i was fucking i think when i was like 9 10 or 11 or something i was still in fu- yeah i was still in fucking elementary school because it was before junior high i i was friends with some of the neighborhood kids and one of the kids who was a freshman in high school uh fucking we his parents had a, a mobile home and like our we our sleepover play video games or whatever was ended up in the mobile home and i ended up like sleeping in bed with him with no clothes on mm-hmm. and at the time i'm like i'm a fu- i'm a child yeah i don't know what the fu- i don't know what the fuck i'm doing yeah, you know what you're doing yeah and like it's just and and then you look back on it and it's like holy fuck yeah i remember his mom came out and was like yo like hey guys blah 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 and it like cut some shit short but i'm like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm staying in therapy for some fucking like just I've I've had a very I've had a very experience rich life. Yeah. And it helps me to like actually talk about it with someone who's unbiased and like manage my own stress. But that might be some shit that has hung on, like hung around and affected me to this day. I can still feel it. I can identify that and I can acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm really fucking mad about this because yeah. Johnny, 
and I hope he fucking listens to this. I, I doubt he will. But anybody else who's listening to this, my problem is the justification behind it. The post he made where he's defending his wife for having, having been at a low point in her life and as a cancer survivor and as an individual who lost her son, he's saying that it's okay. Mm-hmm. He's saying that this is excusable. And that is fucking disgusting. Because to that, and I could have fucking said this, and this would have deserved to get blocked, but he said, oh, she's a cancer survivor. Too bad. I hope it comes back, and I hope it ruins her fucking body. I, I, am, I have no mercy for this shit. Hmm. And it's callous, and it's fucking hard, but I don't fucking care. Because their right is right, and wrong is wrong. And I will never fucking consider that justifiable because you cannot, you cannot consider that justifiable when your own shit, when your own bad behavior affects and ruins, not ruins, but negatively affects a a kid, a child Mm -hmm. so much that he attempts suicide because I attempted suicide at 17 years old. That is inexcusable, and mm-hmm. she should either be fu- she should no 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 time in jail, no fine, no registered sex offender list for however fucking long will justify that, or will yeah. be enough punishment in my eyes. And you can call me callous, and you can call me hard, and you can call me a fucking asshole for it. But I tell I tell Johnny that to his fucking face, yeah. and I Mindy that to her fucking face too. Yeah. That's not a mistake. That's a choice. And you live with your goddamn choices and you die with your goddamn choices. So when she's fucking dying, whether it's 60 years from now or in a fucking year, she better fucking be ready to accept that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and obviously, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough subject and it, and it, and it's something that I think is, it's impacted a lot of people more than, you know, even they're really willing to talk about, you know, even as you just said, like, I mean, even that story of, you know, it's not something you've really talked about publicly, you know, published, you know, in that level before, because it is, it's a scarring thing. And so it's even more insidious because it's not something where someone's like, oh yeah, someone broke into my house one time and I got robbed. Like people are going to talk about it all the time. Someone stole my TV, da, da, da. But someone's saying, no, like I, I was a victim of being taken advantage of as a kid. You know, someone raped me. Someone assaulted me. It, it, it's hidden because it creates this shame on the kid. When if you're 10 years old, you have no, no idea what the fuck you're doing. You're 10. Like, how do, how do you expect a fourth grader to know what they're doing? If you're 36, there, there's no, this was a mistake. You have, you have blatantly taken advantage of someone that, that can't make a decision really for themselves. Um, and, and it does, it sets such a dangerous precedent. If we're going to let that slide and let, and endorse a federation that's being managed by someone who's done that. Um, so for those of you guys who are listening, yeah, both of us, like me as, as, as a podcast, as small as my platform is, and as Joe, we're not standing by this federation at all. USPC. No, don't go there. Don't compete. Don't be engaged. We don't fucking stand for it. We're out. So we won't stay on that negative topic for an extended period of time, but I think we've, I, I think we've been pretty decisive on that um, for sure. And I think it's definitely something 
that's timely and needs to be said because obviously this will go out um, here on the 12th. So people will still be talking about this when this jumps out on Saturday um, morning. But, you know, kind of, kind of moving more um, back into the, just the general powerlifting sphere. You know, I feel like there, there's a dark side of powerlifting, you know, that, that people don't necessarily talk about. It's like the hidden topic of, you know, of steroid usage, of PEDs. You know, if people will look at an Instagram page, uh, you know, and they'll go, man, like that guy's got to be natural. And you've got all these other guys who won't be open about it or go like, no, like he's not. But, you know, that people are recognizing that this top 1%, most, if not all, um, are taking some form of drugs. Um, and as, as a coach, as an athlete, um, as a manager of a gym, um, and just someone who obviously, you know, has a background in medically integrated fitness, in exercise science, you've done a lot of research on this kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, I just wonder on that dark side and that top, quote unquote, dark side, that topic of steroids, you know, for people who are competing, who are considering, you know, pushing themselves to the top level, what, what is your advice? What's the concern? Just kind of what's your view on all that? My biggest thing, because I'm not going to give advice when it comes to steroids. I'm not a doctor. It's still a fucking felony. Uh, but if you're watching powerlifting and you're just watching me, or Dan Green, or Yuri Belkin, or like people that are competing at the showdown, or people competing classic raw and raps. If you're just watching these guys, you're doing yourself a disservice because there is some crazy shit that is happening at the top levels of the IPF. And I, you know, like my journey is different than everybody else's. And I, I coach a lot of lifters and they come, they come and ask me uh, for advice. They come in and ask me for guidance and like, what did I do? What would you do? Uh, what should I do? That type of thing. And I really encourage most of them to stay in drug tested competitions or just don't fuck with that shit for as long as you can go. Because the problem that people run into with this is it's not recreational drug use. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm the type of person like there, there's everybody knows somebody like this. It's like, I only smoke cigarettes when I drink and the person doesn't drink often, but like when they drink once a month or whatever, they smoke a fucking pack of cigarettes and then they're done with it. Mm-hmm. The type of person that is like, Oh man. Yeah. Like you, you have, you have Molly, you have ecstasy, like, oh, you fucking do it, go to a festival, have fun, whatever. Never do it once a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's recreational drug use. That's like that's still bad for you, still not necessarily the greatest thing, still going to have negative ramifications for your health. But the difference between that and steroid use is steroid use, that's if you don't look at that as really a lifetime commitment or a lifetime variable, you are doing yourself a disservice and you are going to experience not so great things down the road. Mm-hmm. Because people don't like, I, I know lifters. I've coached lifters. I currently coach lifters that I lose my fucking mind over because I'm like, Hey, when's the last time you've got blood work done? When's the last time you went to the doctor? And they're like, well, you know, you, uh, you know, I've been busy and like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, mm. okay, just because you can't like, if, if I, if I drink a shitload and I like a 
I went out with a couple of friends like two, uh, probably like a month ago or whatever, and I drank way too fucking much. Ended the night like literally trying to chug a bottle of wine. Ended up puking the whole day next year. The, Classic. The whole- Love that. <laughs> it was fun, but it was stupid as fuck. And yeah. it's just like, that happens, you know? But that's like visual shit and like actual feeling that you can feel like, oh, yeah, okay, I drank too much. That was dumb. And like, man, I really thought like I we I went out to dinner like two days after, and people were drinking whiskey, and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking vomit. Like, I yeah, <laughs> you don't get that with steroids. You slam a cc of test every other day and some fucking d ball. You're just gonna feel like, whoa, I feel fucking great. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. I feel like ten men. You know, like I'm strong. I'm big. This is fucking great. But you do that for 16 weeks, and bad shit can start happening. You can be like, man, my pulse is a little elevated. I wonder why my pulse is a little elevated. But unless you check for that, you're not going to know. Or it's like, oh, I really have to drink more water to be more hydrated. I don't understand what's going on. Then you get your blood work done, and your hemoglobin, like the, the red blood cell count, is all the way up here. Your kidneys are stressed the fuck out. Your liver's stressed the fuck out. This is stressed the fuck out. That's stressed the fuck out. And you can't feel those things. Mm-hmm. You're actually being proactive. They're, unless you're actually being proactive about this, I can never condone steroid use. And it's it's a hard thing because like I there there are so many people out there that are like, I, I'll do whatever it takes to be the best. I'll, I, I'm going to, I would be, I would die for this sport, but, but that's, there, there's some falsehood in that statement. It's not so much like there's a difference between being willing to die for something and killing yourself through something else. Yeah. And I really think a lot of people in this sport, they're all addicts. It's all addiction. But just because it's applied to lifting weights and competition and bettering ourselves through like passion and outwardly drive and all this stuff, because it's applied to that and it, it doesn't have so much negative connotation as, well, I'm just going to get shit faced every night or I'm going to pop a couple of zannies every night before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Because it's a bit more positive, people view it as more okay. And addiction is addiction. That's why I'm a big believer in like the gym isn't therapy. The gym can be like training isn't therapy. Training can be a coping mechanism for shit you have going on in your life. But how do you identify good and bad coping mechanisms? You go to actual therapy. You talk about shit. You understand what you're thinking and why you might actually be thinking and feeling it. And that's the fucking hard part. So until someone has a handle on that and, and can actually identify like why they're doing something or why they may be feeling a certain way, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. And that's just me. And it's kind of one of those things like I've accumulated all of these injuries, like torn bicep, torn bicep, uh, no meniscus in my right knee, a couple herniated discs, a couple torn muscles. I've accumulated all that shit. So that in the athletes that I coach and the people that I help, I hope they don't have to. And you can apply that logic to a couple other different things. Like I've been in the hospital a few times. I've made mistakes. Uh, So I just hope I can use that 
to teach other people to kind of avoid experiencing the shit that I might have experienced due to some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and I think especially even in like college, especially that mm-hmm. you get these, these guys who, you know, they, they get their beginner gains, you know, those first six months, they're like, Oh my gosh, like this is so easy. I've put 150 pounds on my dad da, 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 da. and they plateau and they're like, Holy shit. Like why did I do that? And their literal first instinct is I'm going to stick a pin in my ass. And it's like, all right, maybe not like, maybe that's not, the answer. And what you get is these dudes who are 19 years old and can never come off of something and they're destroying their lives. And it's like, dude, you, you're 150 pounds, you're 19 and you're injecting trend. Like what is wrong with you? Like, like what, 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 but it's that, it's that pursuit of fame. And I, and I wonder even, you know, if we didn't have this Instagram platform, this Facebook and TikTok, all these other social media platforms where people weren't posting all the time, how many less people would be doing this drastic stuff because no one's watching. You know, if we don't have a following, are people really going to stay involved? Like, are they really going to keep lifting or are they doing it? Cause they're like, Oh, it's kind of cool. when this girl I had a thing with likes my video so I can slide into her DMS, you know? Yeah. And and I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. It's just, I think, I think there would be less, less instance of it occurring, but I know for a fact that it still would be happening because like, look at, uh, look at like the seventies and eighties bodybuilders. Like it's still going on. It still happened. And like, especially these fucking days, man, because like pro hormones were made illegal. Uh, then it was just like steroids and all this blanket statement, like illegal, illegal, illegal. Now what's out there? SARMs. And people are like, well, what the fuck are SARMs? And they're like, well, they're just SARMs. And people are like, oh, these are still natty. I can buy this from the local supplement store and I can take this. And this, that means it's fucking legal. So therefore it's natural. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll take a bunch of this shit. And then you realize you look into it and it's like, okay, wait a minute. This is a steroid compound. They just fucking tacked like a, a hydrogen atom onto it. So it's just going to cycle through your liver more to get broken down. So it's actually worse for you. <laughs> right. Steroid. Wait a minute. What the fuck? And, and then you, it's like, I don't know how much less of it would be happening because if the same dude hits that same plateau and then he's like, well, fuck, bro, what the fuck's going on? I don't know. And then it's buddy in the gym. It's like, I don't know, bro. Like, man, let's go to fucking sup, sup center and get some of the more fucking muscle pump 3000, whatever the fuck. And they go buy it and then they get gains. And then it turns out it's actually fucking Osterine or some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think it would be less, but I still think it would be happening. And, and this is coming from a guy whose last USAPL competition was in you know, when he was 21 years old. And yeah. it's like, I don't, I wonder why that was a thing. Yeah. Huh. yeah. You know, it is, it's human nature, man. It is. It's, it's that pursuit of wanting greatness and wanting it now instead of actually busting your ass for the amount of time that's going to take to do it. It's the same thing with money. Everybody's trying to make a quick buck. That's how you get scammed. That's how you lose all your money because you're like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to, Penny stocks. That's how Jordan Bell for the Wolf of Wall Street just screwed people. They wanted a quick buck, you know. Anyway, I digress. But uh, it is it, it is just an interesting topic, and it's one that yeah, a lot of people are they're doing and they're not being informed of 
because they're getting informed by people who want their money and don't actually care about their well-being. And, you know, it anyway, topic over. But, um, well, you know, kind of as we chatted on the front end, you know, the idea of creating community, uh, of creating an industry in which everyone feels like they're genuinely a part of it. As you look ahead to the future, um, even with your yourself as an athlete or as a coach, you know, what well, are your hopes? What are your dreams? What do you see happening, you know, for you question. individually and, and even as the industry as a whole? The current moment. What's your hope for because the future of power? My hope for my own legacy is very different than what I hope for for powerlifting. I just hope I hope I, I was always told leaders make leaders. My dad is a leader. Um, he made me he really like I, I'm forever indebted for my uh Mm -hmm. uh to my dad you know like I, I love my dad um and he's the reason i am who i am it's just it's it's awesome but uh i really just want to make i want to make a community that makes other communities i want to be a leader that up like brings up everybody beneath me and around me um and that's one of the coolest things about pinnacle because i have a gym full of coaches I, I've, I coach lots of people here, but lots of people here, I'm very, very confident in like them helping others. We have, we have a lot of OSU students that come here and they have no goddamn clue what they're doing. But I have a lot of athletes that are like, I, I'm, I'm so okay with them helping those kids out, you know, and I just, I want to continue that mm -hmm. spread of information, that spread of communication and that sort of leadership style uh, as much as I can. And like, I don't know if that means just doubling down on pinnacle and making this like the best damn place in the world, or if that means opening multiple locations. And that's something that we've considered and talked about. So who knows what, what the future holds for that. Um, but that's really my goal. Uh, I have the words live, learn, pass on, um, control the pace and always tattooed on me in various spots. Um, and, Control the pace is, was a wrestling tattoo. That's really just kind of like you make your own decisions. You set the pace. It was set the pace of the match. So if you want defense, you defense. If you want offense, you offense. But that can be, that can be applied to life in general. It's like you, you make your own decisions. You're the one that should be held accountable for everything that you do. And whether you want to go now or go later or do this or do that, that's up to you. Live, learn, pass on. That's the elite FTS motto. Um, it's live, experience what you're going to experience, go through all the things that I did, whether it's the injuries or the hospital visits or the mistakes and failures and whatever the fuck else. Learn, learn from those things. It's understand where you did wrong, understand where you did right, and hopefully apply that to the future and then pass on. It's the whole leadership thing, the whole teaching thing. Like I've always described myself as a teacher over anything else uh, in this world. And I just want to, I want to lead by example and I want to bring other people up with me and just be the best I can while showing everybody else it's possible for them to be the best they can as well. And then always, that's just consistency. That's always, always doing exactly what I just said. And, and as overwhelming as it may be to be a leader, sometimes as overwhelming it may be to have people look to you, as overwhelming as it may be to feel obligated to use the voice that I have for the right thing, even when it's hard, it's consistency. It's always doing that, always being 
what you claim to be and what you want to be and what you believe others can be. So that's that's my own legacy. Future of powerlifting? I don't fucking know, bro. Like, my thing is, and nobody fucking published this. If anybody does this before, before I actually get around to it, I'll fucking I'll burn your house down or some shit. But I think <laughs> there should be a federation that is created that just has a rule book that is just a generalized rule book. There's no membership fees. There's no obligations to compete. There's a referee's test. Anybody who takes the referee's test and passes can fucking sit. And there are no federation records. All there are is open powerlifting. Why are there federation records in general? Because we all want gold medals and we all want whatever the fuck. If I can just get a meet sanctioned or recognized by the court by the court of social media, which is honestly what it kind of should be these days, because that's what it is in general. And have good judges sit and be like, hey, that looks like dog shit. Don't don't approve that lift. Hey, that looks nice. Approve that lift. Cool. I think that's what it should be because this shit is way too goddamn complicated at this point. And I don't want to, I don't want to make my athletes pay membership fees. I don't want to pay membership fees. And the only meets that really have mattered for me as a quote unquote high level competitor these days have just been the invitational meets. And it doesn't matter if it's the fucking USBA, the RPS, the fucking WRPF, the fucking AAU, the fucking, I don't fucking know what else the IRA. uh, Cause that's fucking Irish culture reference but wherever wherever people compete as long as the lifting is good it gets recognized and i think we need to take a lesson from that and just understand the lifting is is and ultimately will speak for itself so (laughs) why hasn't anybody done that i don't know am i gonna do it eventually maybe i don't fucking know i already have so much shit on my plate why not another fucking thing to stress me (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is he joking? Is he joking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just add it on, top it off. You know, what, what's the harm? You know, <laughs> see if it can really push me over the edge. Let's, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, on the on the back end of all these interviews, uh, I got two questions. I, I love asking everybody because uh, obviously it's called Faith Fitness and French Toast. Everybody can talk about fitness till their face turns blue. That's what has all of us in common. Um, but the other two questions I love asking people, the first is this one on faith and this other one on breakfast. So we'll hit the hard hitter one first. Um, we should, my, my we question should have talked about this earlier. What I can role, talk about this if any, forever. has your own personal I faith, went, spirituality, religious Catholic views, anything like life. that? I actually went to Jesuit college. And um, why? so I'm very, very educated and familiar with a lot of different faiths. And I would, I don't really identify myself as Catholic anymore, but I am a believer in something. I'm very, very hooey wooey, like weird energistic. Like I don't fucking know what the fuck anything is, but I kind of have conversations with God and I think of him as more of like a bro. Cause I like, I, my, um, I said goodbye to my uncle on yeah. the phone earlier this week. Uh, so it's, it's been a hell of a, it's been a hell of a couple of days, but, um, I, what's it called? We had that conversation and then like, I was having some serious nerve pain cause I have this nerve compression injury that is an ongoing thing uh, in the gym yeah. and I'm literally like in between sets and I'm like, suck my dick fucker. And like looking up at the sky, like 
talking to God. And that's like super blasphemous and like awful, awful if you're like a normal, like uh, a nor like a normal human. But I just my relation because I'll still occasionally go to church. Like I mostly like the music and I do. Believe, I, I don't know what I believe in, but I know there's something and I really think there's like some level of connection out there. I just haven't really found. I mean, I have, I, I have, but I haven't. Like, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. going to align myself with one school of thought sure. just because I think there's validity to so many other places. And I'm just kind of an, I'm kind of a psycho asshole because I'll periodically look up, like before, before my 777 for a double, I was like, try to kill me, you bitch, like looking up at the sky. And I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck does that? And, but like, I, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, like. I think I would like to think that if my creator is my creator and he created me, that he also has a sense of humor. Yeah. Cause I mean, look at this face. Ha ha ha. But, but seriously, like I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I do that, but it is sort of like a comforting thing to think that I, that I'm having a conversation like that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've like been, I've read about, I've read into like a lot of different things and like, uh, in terms of like just different religions and different like schools of thought in yeah. terms of spirituality. And I mean, like I'm trying to go, trying to find a local dude because apparently there is one around here that do- legitimately does like spirit quests with like hallucinogens and shit. And I'm like, I would absolutely love to do that. So I don't know. I think, I think I am God when I'm under the bar and that's a really fucking egocentric thing, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. God is just expressing his power through me. Who fucking knows, man? Like I'm not going to know until I die and I have a conversation mm-hmm. with the fucking idiot. So we'll see what happens. I hope yeah. he, I hope he gives me a conversation because I think that would be cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. I don't know. I and it's like, I don't know, man. I have like the third eye tattooed on my, ta- on my, so yeah. it's like there's yeah. I think there's weird connected shit everywhere and we, we're never going to know so <laughs> we may as well just try to be good people for the sake of being good people and if that scores some points with right. some flying spaghetti monster with a beard then cool that's great too Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's honestly like, I think it's pretty, a pretty good answer, you know, to say, I don't know, because I mean, really none of us know. I mean, that's the whole point, like that all religion is based on faith. So none of us, whether you're, you're a Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Scientologist, mm-hmm. Satanist, whatever, you don't have a hundred percent proof on anything that you're, you're really studying. So I think that's a good answer. Obviously you know, my name is Moses for God's sake. It'd be hard for me not to be religious, but um, you know, I think I, I really respect that answer a lot. I think it's a good one. And I think this has been one of my favorite things about running this podcast is getting to have just even like a little 10 minute snippet, you know, because you see so much about someone, you know, Ed Cohen said, don't be a dick. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a good one. You know, to someone else saying that they're a Satanist, they're just pretty much going to treat people how they treat them. You know, that it's, it's another unspoken element, but it's, it's the human. All of us are ultimately looking for purpose beyond just sitting here. Like, oh, do I just wake up, work, and go to sleep? Like, is that it? Like, that's kind of depressing if that's it. So I think it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear people's thoughts. So I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. So last question for you. 
uh, and this is my absolute favorite, is, you know, breakfast food is just, it's my go-to. I love it. I can't, like, any uh, type I mean, of day, like, that's just, that's what uh, I'm going to hit. I don't know. Like, I don't, one I don't breakfast have, like, a go-to food, breakfast you absolutely spot, cannot like, live without. Thing, the one thing what that I really it? enjoy making Where is, it from? is, like, I'll Why? just make, like, breakfast sandwiches, and I think they're, like, I just think there's something really cathartic and delicious about doing that, where it's, like, just a fucking, just basic, like, English muffin like toast it in in the fucking pan with like butter on each side and then fuck it just fry an egg and some ham and some fucking cheese and you're good to go you know that's just like that's such a nice like light not light but it's like just a nice easy refreshing meal to like sit with your window open and just eat and be like this is this is it man with like a cup of coffee you know and I mean, I also, I, I also love pancakes. I could eat like twelve thousand pancakes in one sitting if I wanted to. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. At a boy. At a boy. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's strong. That's right. And that is, that's the other like human aspect. I've gotten some really weird answers on that, man, you know, <laughs> over the course, like just unexpected ones, yeah. you know, but I, I think I'm trying to remember the last, it might've been Garrett who said he just goes and gets yep. a burrito and just make sure it's as, as unhealthy as physically possible. He's like, yo, this thing's like 5,000 calories. I got it right. I'm like, oh, all right, man. <laughs> I respect it. Like, it's, it's working for you somehow. So keep running with it. Um, well, folks, this has just been a, a great conversation with Joe Sullivan. You can find him on Instagram yeah. at Joe Sullivan Powerlifter. Uh, if you're up in Columbus uh, and you want to check out the facility and you're not a dick uh, in the gym, then you can reach out to them uh, to to get a tour. He's not going to guarantee you're going to become a member, but if you're nice to him, he might give you a membership. Uh, if you love this episode, you're craving more from me. You can follow us on Instagram at Faith Fitness Podcast. But with that, folks, we'll catch you next time. Well, folks, this was just an incredible conversation with Joe Sullivan. You can find him on Instagram at Joe Sullivan Powerlifter. And if you're in Columbus, Ohio, you can reach out to Pinnacle Performance to schedule a tour and check out the facility. If you love that episode and you're craving a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast, or visit us on Instagram at Faith Fitness Podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for the rest of season four. We have a brilliant guest list for the second half of the season. So don't forget to turn on those post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and my favorite early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next week with Marcus Leone.